Glory to God. Hallelujah. You are welcome once again to this podcast, The Fountain of Life. I hope you had a wonderful week. And I pray that you have been blessed by the previous messages. In case you have any query, you might send an email, fountain.life12 at gmail.com, and I shall be able to respond to you. Hallelujah. And as you listen to this message, may you open up your heart that you may receive that you may see your life transcend to that point where you are able to stand, especially in times like this, with the Lord working wonders in your life and making decisions that bring glory to our Lord in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I was reading uh, uh, a few days ago a story about a Canadian footballer who was... uh, traded because he refused to take the vaccine. This is a footballer who had only been signed in February by, uh, by FC Montreal. So uh, because he decided he's not going to uh, take a vaccine, which was apparently mandatory for the team, so that he could be in position to travel with his uh, teammates uh, to the various states uh, because of the travel restrictions uh, and and so forth, largely because of COVID. And I was looking at how fast things have escalated and how so much has changed, especially in regards to the willpower, where we cannot easily make a decision on our own. And if you are not uh, in a position where you, uh, you voice your opinion, freely without fear of repercussions you'll basically bail out and uh, and be in the back benches of society and you'll actually accept that you no longer have a voice and for him uh, <laughs> something incredible he stood which is a rarity uh, usually for people who uh, who are in this world especially with the progression and and the globalization and so much that has been fed unto us by the media, it's, uh, it's incredible that he was able to make a stand. And it got me thinking, you see, throughout life, there are decisions that we are going to make that are either going to thrust us up or bring us down. And throughout history, or even in the Word of God, we have seen people who have made certain decisions and they changed the course of destiny. And had they remained comfortable where they were and merely uh, having a living, they wouldn't have been in position to make a mark and be talked about. Because everything that we do and every choice that we make is not merely supposed to end here. It's supposed to transcend in the future and change certain aspects of life, whether you know it or not. Amen? So, for everything that we do, we have to be in position to know what we are making. Because each one of us has found uh, ourselves in a valley where you have to decide either to go on this side of the hill or the other side. And many a times we are not even aware how things are going to pan out. So you can imagine in the book of Nehemiah, uh, chapter 2, 
if I'm to read for you from verse 1. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face sad, since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart, so I became dreadfully afraid. And said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad, when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste, and its gates are burned with fire? Then the king said to me, What do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. This was Nehemiah speaking, uh, because, of course, the 70 years had elapsed where the children of, uh, uh, of, uh, of Israel had been in captivity in Babylon, and <laughs> Jerusalem uh, lay in ruin. The temple had long been destroyed, and the city walls had all been crushed. And he was in this state where he's actually serving a king as his cupbearer, and he's comfortable. His life was okay, but because his spirit was vexed with uh, what was burning in the inside of him and looking at uh, his household, okay, and his people still uh, in ruin, he decided, regardless of what uh, I'm into at the moment and regardless of the benefits that I'm getting at the moment, I have to go and do the work of God. I have to go and bring glory to the house of my Lord. And that is what he decided to do. So, of course, later on, uh, the king at uh, 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 he gave him permission and he went and worked uh, uh, with Ezra and uh, uh, Joshua and Zechariah and so forth. And they managed to rebuild uh, Jerusalem. Amen? And uh, when I look at that story, and I look at very, uh, uh, very many other uh, stories of people who have been forced to make decisions, you realize that everything that we do is very fundamental. And even when we choose to follow the life of God, he's not going to force us to make a choice. Because the enemy is always going to come to try and fight us and to bring us down by delivering a masterstroke that is supposed to weaken you and make you think that you're not going to uh, thrive, you're not going to uh, be lifted up to the place that you are supposed to be. But remember, there are scriptures that have been talked about us, scriptures that are supposed to define us, knowing our heritage, knowing that the Lord has placed his hand upon us and we are supposed to rise. That's why when you see like Isaiah chapter 8 uh, verse 18 saying, Here I am and the children whom the Lord has given me, we are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. So this scripture is talking about 
the children that the Lord has given me, I and my children, we are for signs and wonders. That means the blessing is not only supposed to be about me, but it's supposed to transcend generations. And when you go to Deuteronomy 30, uh, verse 19, which says, uh, I've set before you uh, life and death, blessings and curses. Therefore, choose life that you and your descendants might live. So, it means that you have to make a decision because that decision is not only for you. It's for even your future generations. So when we look at life as is, what are the things that are around us that are going to define us? And what are the things that we look at in times like this that we are able to easily define and know that this is something that is ideally going to bring a curse for generations. Because many of us, especially since the, tr uh, uh, the so-called pandemic started in December 2019, have been in situations where we are crying out unto the Lord in one way or another. But for some reason, we still haven't yet seen tangible results. But how have we managed to stand when we are yearning for the Lord for us to draw uh, action to put a stop to all uh, the theatrics that we see especially in times like this because there are certain situations and there are certain things that are going to come to test us and put us at the edge I was reading a story about uh, John Gillick the great American uh, Canadian man of God who in 1908 at the start of the 20th century, received a word from the Lord that he should go on a missionary trip uh, to South Africa. So when he went to South Africa, after just six months, his wife died. <laughs> uh, John Gillick actually calls it the devil's masterstroke. And <laughs> he was now in a valley of sorts where he had to make a decision. Should I go back to America or should I stay here? Now, it was so difficult for him because he had seven children. Luckily, uh, his sister uh, offered to help and raise, uh, uh, help raise uh, uh, the children. But it was such a difficult time for him. But what he decided to do was to hold on. And he stayed in South Africa. So he stayed and continued the work of God following instruction as had been given unto him by our Lord. So, uh, two years after he had been in South Africa, there was a widespread uh, plague in South Africa, which, uh, which, which is called the Babonic uh, Plague, which affected so many people. And at the time, everyone was so scared, and the whole nation was in absolute fear. Because it was like a death sentence. Whoever got in touch with it died within days. And they didn't have any solution for it. So, uh, in 1910, in the midst of this worldwide pandemic, it had spread in several uh, nations. But uh, in South Africa, it must have been such, uh, such a grave uh, uh, atmosphere. So, uh, in the midst of all this, 
the South African government was offering large sums of money for anyone who could help. So, of course, at that time, medical science hadn't reached uh, even halfway the level that it is now. So, uh, anyone who <laughs> could help or do anything, the government was offering them money because so many people were uh, uh, dying and at a certain point they were even looking for people that they could employ to help remove the bodies of the dead. Uh, but people were so scared of even entering these, uh, uh, these jobs and uh, they, they didn't even want the money. Everyone wanted to just have life. So um, for John Gillick, who found himself in this kind of region, for him he decided to volunteer. He didn't want any money, so he would go into the houses uh, where the stench of sickness hung in the air and, uh, and carried out the bodies. Uh, then he would bury some of them. Then uh, he, he, he did all sorts of things. And for him, he moved with the braveness, knowing that there's nothing that is going to happen to him. Amen? And he had no fear whatsoever uh, of getting the sickness. So one time, one of the doctors came and asked him, eh, John Gilek, what have you been doing to protect yourself? Then the man of God told him, I believe that as long as I keep my soul in contact with the living God, so that his spirit is flowing into my soul and my body, no germ will ever attach itself to me, for the spirit of the Lord will kill it. So, uh, the man of God asked the doctor for a simple experiment and told him, let us take foam from the lungs of a dead uh, a person and put it under a microsc uh, microscope. So the doctor did that and found masses of living germs. So, this man of God told him, you spread, okay, uh, that form on my hand. So, uh, of course, the doctor was a bit hesitant with his knowledge of medical science and so forth. But later on, he decided to try it on his hand. And when he put a microscope above it, he saw the germs dying instantly. And John Gillick told him, now that is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, <laughs> we look at situations that we are in, and you wonder, because uh, the world is still spreading fear, and so many people have been evangelists of, of fear and the new world order and talking about how dangerous uh, this uh, environment is and we are no longer even able to interact with some of our friends. I was looking at something funny, a tweet from uh, 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 the fiancé of Harry Maguire, a footballer uh, who plays for England. Now, uh, a, a few minutes after the victory, Against uh, uh, against Denmark, which uh, had a very very controversial penalty, but anyway, that's a story for another day. Uh, so his fiance, uh, like uh, b because they hadn't seen each other, I think in the flesh for about five weeks. 
so uh, in the in in <laughs> in, in the stadium where there were over 60,000 people okay packed but now after the match had ended they couldn't even come close to each other so they were talking about 3/4 meters apart and i was wondering like is this where we have gotten to is this where the world is headed to the extent that we are so scared of even our loved ones and because we believe what has been given unto us and we have drunk of that cup and the whole world is put in situations where you either go their way or you cast aside so when we see the other canadian footballer standing up and saying for him is not going to take a vaccine because he believes in choice he is castigated but everything around us everything pertaining to life as is we are either going to make a decision that is pro god or against god so we have to decide what we want to see for our lives because everything that we do is not going to merely end here things are going for eternity and we start now by the way that we live our lives you know the scripture tells us in romans uh, chapter 8 verse 11 and if the spirit of him who raised jesus from the dead is living in you he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Hallelujah. So, when you quote such a scripture and you tell people about the power of the Christ that is in the inside of you, people are going to laugh at you and mock you because we do not believe and because we look at situations and we lift them above the name of our lord jesus christ but i thought the word says that everything that has a name bows down to the name of jesus christ so do you think that situation that you're in is above the lord jesus christ hmm. we've all been in situations where things are deadly we've all been at the midnight hour where our backs are against the wall and what you decide to do at that moment is what is going to elevate you Have you ever been in a situation where you have no hope uh, humanly speaking and everything has failed and there's nothing that you can do that can get you out of that mess well game over that is the situation that probably uh Paul and Silas were in in the acts of the apostles uh, acts, uh chapter 15 when they had been uh are arrested okay they had been arrested in act 16 and they were bound and what did they decide to do at the midnight hour they started spring uh, uh, singing praises unto the lord hallelujah let let, let me let, let me go there uh, act 16 
uh, from verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep, seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> so, in the midst of all these issues, he's praising the Lord with, with Cyrus. And they praised until the power came and shook. There was an earthquake. And the chains fell off. That is what the power of the Lord is able to do. Had he gone the other side where he's lamenting and telling God, but I've been serving you. You're the one who told me to come to uh, Macedonia. You're the one who told me. Because I received a call from you and I cannot be wrong. But now I've come to Macedonia to do your work and I've been arrested. And what does Paul do? Paul decides, no, I'm going to praise the Lord. Now, you remember in Matthew 11, when John the Baptist had been arrested and his back was against the wall. And what did he do for him? He decided to send his disciples to go and ask Jesus Christ. Go and ask him whether he's the one or we should ask another. Hmm. And what did the Lord Jesus Christ say? Go and tell him. The blind see, the lame walk, and the deaf hear. <laughs> Blessed is one who is not offended by me. And for him, he went the other way, and he was killed. It's incredible. It's incredible. This is something that is funny. Uh, I remember uh, listening to a man of God and uh, he was talking about, of course, uh, 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 John the Baptist. Okay? Uh, John uh, chapter 10, verse 41. Then many came to him and said, John performed no sign, but all the things that John spoke about this man were true. It's incredible that John the Baptist who came in the spirit of Elijah performed no miracle. No miracle. Yet he came in the spirit and power of Elijah. What was it about him that made him not to perform a miracle? Yet, our Lord Jesus Christ calls him the greatest prophet. <laughs> the greatest prophet. That means he was even the greatest pro the greatest prophet at the time, despite not fulfilling his potential. Because the scripture tells us these are not my own words. So even you, because you have been anointed for certain things, you do not qualify yourself. The Lord qualified you to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Colossians 1.12. But how come there are many of us who still are not achieving our full potential. How come? Because there is a choice that you have to make. There is something that you have to do, especially in times like this, to make you stand out. Are you merely going to go with the flow 
or you are going to isolate yourself and seek for the deep things of God. You know, Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse, uh, verse 5 tells us, having predestined us, adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Hallelujah. To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Hallelujah. Having predestined us unto himself. Another uh, translation says, uh, as children. Amen. For the good pleasure of his will. So, if we are adopted as children for the good pleasure of his will, do you think it is his will uh, that we find ourselves here lamenting and crying out and asking, where is the God of maybe my father? And year in, year out, we are in the same distress. And we look at other people testifying and we are wondering, what is it about them? How come for us we are forgotten? <laughs> How? Because the time is now where we have to make a decision. The time is now where we have to stand and we have the acknowledgement of our Lord Jesus Christ and we have the full awareness that he can never leave us nor forsake us. So when we are moving, we are walking according to a path that we have chosen that we know that cannot go wrong. Because one of the worst things that we can do is to think that the Lord cannot do something that we have never done or seen, never done. That's why uh, you remember the scripture, the psalmist writing in 78 verse 41, that ye, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Those were the children uh, of Israel who had actually moved from Egypt and they turned back on God. They limited the power of God. Can you imagine? And the world as is, because of so much that has been fed, uh, fed uh, unto us, we think because we have probably never seen something, it is impossible. So when someone comes and talks about, let's say, supernatural prosperity or supernatural healing, we are quick to rubbish them. And we don't even give them uh, any bit of attention. Because we are supposed to be in this element of common sense. The scripture tells us in First Timothy uh, chapter 1, uh, uh, verse 5. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith. King James called, calls it unfaith, unfeigned. Amen. Now, that is a certain kind of faith that cannot be corrupted where you know that the path that I have chosen is going to bring me a certain kind of honor. The path that I have chosen, there is no one who is going to make me change my mind. So you find someone uh, like Rahab who was an inhabitant of Jericho deciding to hide the spies and later on of course when the walls fall she decides to align herself with the children of Israel 
she had to make a decision. Look at the story of Ruth. Ruth loses her husband and she decides, you know what? The fact that Naomi was going back to Bethlehem, Judah, she was going to follow Naomi. And Naomi tried as much as possible to persuade her not to come. But she refused. She refused and told her, your God shall be my God. Your people shall be my people. Because she was in that valley where she had to make a choice. Am I going to stay with my fellow uh, uh, kindred, the Moabites, or am I going to go and align myself with uh, Bethlehem Judah, who are partakers of the grace of God? The house of bread. She chose the people of God. And because of that, She's from, the line, she's from the lineage of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because we know uh, that the son that she had with, with Boaz, I think, was called Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. That is Ruth. So in the world as is, what do we envisage? And what is it that we want to see? And what are the various scenarios that we find ourselves into? And what are the choices that we make? Because in a day, I kid you not, we make hundreds of choices. Okay? The choice to eat, uh, even the choices of the thoughts. Okay? Uh, the choice of maybe uh, doing certain actions. They might be so small, but they are choices, are things that you do. But in regards to the Lord, you either choose to walk with Him, or uh, you're treading on a path of fatality. That is why you see in the scripture, and we know how gracious the Lord is. <laughs> Incredible, the Lord is so gracious. We see in Second Chronicles chapter 16, a man of God goes and warns the king, Asa. And Asa decides to imprison the guy. He, he decided to imprison, uh, I think the man of God was called Hanani. So, later on, the Lord rejects him. Attends him. You know what? The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect unto him. And he continued ruling. He has already put the man of God, Hanani, in prison. He didn't care. But later on, when he falls sick, the Bible tells us in Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 12, that uh, he's he decided to seek physicians instead of the Lord, and that is the major reason why he died. That means, had he stood where he was and decided, you know what? Let me come back to the Lord. 
let me back uh, let, 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 let me forget the ways that have been living let me come unto the Lord he would probably have lived do you remember the story of Hezekiah how he received the prophecy from Isaiah that he was going to die and decided no I'm not going to accept it he went and cried out unto the Lord and he was added 15 years but for all these things they might look wonderful these stories that we have read are these people that have walked uh, certain paths but for you as a child of God what is it that you want to become and what is that thing that you have to do to make you uh, different because the Lord is not going to force you it's up to you to make a decision that's why he says in Psalms 34 verse 8 oh test and see that the Lord is good blessed is the man who trusts in him hallelujah he's telling you to test he's not going to force you to drink just test so as we move in the world as is and as we have all the desires of worldly things supernatural and so forth remember that every decision that you make is either going to bring you closer to God or make you drift further into darkness but the reward is eternal either way either way and we cannot afford to stand in the middle waiting for other people to make choices for us we have to mature we have to grow and stand to be defined as children of God because you see we cannot be baby Christians forever of course when we approach God we are supposed to be childlike with expectation of a child because if I got my son per se and I threw him up in the air he knows that I'm going to hold him he knows that I cannot let him fall that is being childlike having that faith that pure conscience that he's my dad he's not going to let me fall but the challenge is many of us are childish instead we don't want to grow we want to stay in that state forever of childishness the time has come for us to be mature to a certain level that's why uh, first john chapter 2 uh, the scripture tells us about sons because they are strong the word of god abides in them and they have overcome the wicked one you can only overcome the wicked one when you have the word of god abiding in you <laughs> because it gives you strength it enlightens your path amen so we have to seek the deep things of god we have to search deeper until we have these things easily manifesting in our lives and making us stand in the midst of our environment because i kid you not things are not going to get easier but is god so much embedded in the midst of you that you're able 
tell these guys, you know what, I'll pass. For me, I've chosen to work with Jesus regardless of the repercussions. Mm-hmm. Because I'm picturing a scenario. I'm sure there are certain places all over the world where people are told uh, if you do not vaccinate, you look for another job. Or in case you ever speak about this gender uh, identity, you're out of this place. Are we able to make decisions and say, I'm going to be moved by my conscience, so I'll trust God for another job, if the worst comes to the worst? Or we shall merely cover our heads in the sun and say, mm, God will understand. Do you think Lot was comfortable in Genesis 19 when he was in Sodom and Gomorrah? Because the scripture tells us that his soul was continuously vexed by the things that were happening around him. Yet the incredible thing is that Lord didn't want to leave, that the angels basically had to drag him out. Even us, the us situations that we are in, where we have to move out of certain places. We have to move out of certain environments because these things are corrupting our purity. Amen? We cannot be contaminated by the world. We cannot have our conscience defiled. We have to move in one accord and with the right alignment as per the Spirit of God. That is the only way that we are able to overcome the enemy, especially in times like this. We are not supposed to accept everything that comes out as a truth. The only truth is in the word of God. That's the only truth that cannot <laughs> destroy us. You see, we can do certain things. Humanly speaking, we develop, but for as long as the Lord is not in it, I tell you not. It will not last. The psalmist speaking in 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So I tell you, for whatever that you do, whatever that you desire, whatever situation that you find yourself, maybe you are in dire straits, you are in distress, wait on the Lord and seek him and choose a path that you know is going to give you eternity. And I tell you, the rewards of God actually start from the world that we live in. But the challenge, of course, many times people think when we give our lives to Christ, we are going to merely just live a miserable life here on earth and wait for our reward in heaven. 
But even here, you're supposed to be rewarded. That's why Third John 2 tells us that, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper, be in health, even as your soul prospers. So we know that in heaven, people don't fall sick. So why would the Lord wish for us to be in health? Why would we need to again prosper in heaven? <laughs> why would we? Because in heaven, we are basically now entering into an inheritance. So that scripture is talking about the natural. So we have to understand that the Lord has our interests at heart. And the Lord wants us to cultivate certain things in him, to see to it, that we are able to move in dominion, especially in times like this, and make a mark so that we are not destroyed by the enemy. So when you find yourself in that state, in that place, where you do not know the direction that you should take, just seek the Lord, because he will never leave you halfway. He will never take you on a path that doesn't guarantee victory. May the Lord bless you and may you make the right choice that you are able to withstand the enemy, especially in times like this. Regardless of whether the world is under the sway of the evil one, we have to be glorious and that is your portion in the mighty name of Jesus Christ our Lord. May the Lord bless you.